Welcome to The Blind Side. News and information from a blindness perspective. Here's Jonathan Mosen. Hello there, feeling all festive, are we? Well, I am. It's the last Blind Side of 2016. I want to tell you in a moment about some Mosen consulting things relating to the summer break. I don't know about the summer break thing, though. We had a little glimpse of what might be possible in the whole summer department a while ago. And then it's been torrential rain and not particularly warm weather, but hopefully by Christmas Day we'll have the warm weather that we've come to expect in New Zealand at this time of year. All those carols about, you know, winter wonderland and let it snow do seem rather out of place, but we play them on the radio here anyway as we hopefully swelter in the summer sun, maybe even at the beach on Christmas Day. We do have some New Zealand songs like Christmas on the Beach. Good to have you with us on The Blind Side. Let me first talk about the fact that Mosin Consulting is closing for the summer. That will be from the 23rd of December to the 23rd of January. So here's what happens during that period. The store is all automated these days. One of the highlights as I look back on 2016 is all the work we did on creating such a great accessible e-commerce platform for the books that we produce here at Mosin Consulting and also our partner authors which is another innovation of 2016 that we've brought partner authors on board to expand the portfolio of products that we offer in the store. So that's great. Now, that's all automated, and that means that whenever you feel the urge to perhaps upskill with a bit of technology training or delving into your device a bit more or whatever it might be, or looking at jobs plans for 2017 with Bunny's It's Off to Work We Go book, you can download those instantly after your purchase and read them on your device of choice. So that'll all just continue to work. If you have some sort of issue with an order, then please do contact us using the contact form on the Mosin Consulting website, and we will do our best to deal with that promptly, but it probably won't quite be as prompt as you normally expect during the year because we are in holiday slash vacation mode. If there are any other inquiries relating to one-on-one training you might want, uh, web design, any of the other things that we do, they will go in a nice pile for us to reply to when the office reopens on the 23rd of January. So don't expect a response to those things. If it's something you've paid for like a book and you're having an issue, obviously we do all we can to resolve that issue as soon as we can. So I hope you enjoy the break as much as we are looking forward to the break. We're taking the kids to do some adventurous things amusement parks, underwater aquariums, or maybe the plural of aquarium is aquaria. Hmm. Underwater aquaria? Who knows? It's probably not too consequential anyway. And we're even trying to convince Bonnie to jump off the Southern Hemisphere's tallest building, because you've got to do that at least once, right? I mean, it is a controlled jump. So we'll see. She doesn't seem very keen on that idea for some reason. I loved it when I did that, uh, that sky jump in Auckland. So lots to look forward to. And lots to look forward to in the podcast, too, because soon we're going to be bringing Colleen Wunderlich on the line. And she is now the director of the Forsyth Centre for Entrepreneurship at the Hadley Institute. What a great organisation that is. They, They just do so much work. So we'll talk to Colleen about her life, her background, her work at Hadley, and also this new venture competition that will be beginning in early 2017. So you might want to think about that if you're looking at going into business or expanding the business that you have and you're in the United States. Just before we go on to that chat with Colleen, which I'm very much looking forward to, we did publish this last podcast of 2016 just a fraction early because I did not want you to miss out on voting. I wanted to remind you. And you know what they say, right? If you don't vote, you've got no right to complain. 
What is Mosin on about now? Mosin is on about the top 100 holiday countdown of 2016 that Mushroom FM is running. This is a Christmas tradition. We do it every year. And what we do is we ask people to nominate their 10 holiday songs that they feel cool about at the moment. You know, a cool Yule and all that sort of thing. And we have had, I think last I checked, because we've got this really cool system that tabulates the numbers and calculates the votes. It's all very democratic and, and automated. And I think last I checked, we had about 212 songs voted, so we could easily do a top 200 now. That's an amazing number of individual Christmas songs. Some of them, I have to say, quite obscure Christmas novelty songs that I have not heard before, and I'd quite like to see some of them chart. The top of the chart is very contentious at the moment. It, the, the number one, I can see it on, the, on the, the page here, keeps flipping back and forth. So we'd love for you to be a part of this. We play the top 100 over a 10-hour period, and we have a kind of a Christmas party at the same time. If you're on Twitter, listeners interact via that medium. We have a kind of a, a lot of fun. Uh, we have some co-hosts. We play the music, and we generally just really get into the spirit of the season. It's one of those events that I really look forward to. It, it, it emphasizes the whole community, family kind of fun aspect of Mushroom FM. Now, you vote by going here, www.mushroomfm.com slash countdown2016. That's mushroomfm.com slash countdown2016, all one word. And what you can do is you can either type in your 10 favorite songs just into an edit box, or you can scroll through for each position, 10 through 1. You can scroll through a combo box. You can use first letter navigation if you're using Windows. And that'll work on Mac as well, actually, if you bring up the list. And you can choose the songs that you want. You have to complete an accessible capture so that we don't get spammed and the countdown is... uh, um, diluted, but it's a fairly simple capture and it's fully accessible, of course. And then you're in and you get an invitation to our Christmas party, which you attend by simply tuning in to Mushroom FM. When we play the top 100 countdown, that begins at 9 a.m. Eastern this Sunday, the 18th of December, and it goes through until 7 p.m. Eastern. That equates to 2 p.m. till midnight in the UK. It starts bright and early at 3 a.m. on Monday morning in New Zealand, but it goes for 10 hours. So By the time we get to number one, you know, it'll be one o'clock in the afternoon in New Zealand, which is positively civilized. So I do hope to get your vote if you haven't voted already. It's a really fun thing that we look forward to every year. And we love it when people participate and get into the spirit of it. Our place, our issues. The Blind Side with Jonathan Mosen. We always enjoy getting the feedback to the email address, whether that be by audio message or Simply written down to the blind side at mosin.org. That's the blind side all joined together at mosin.org. And the final email of the year, that award goes to Petrus Toolings uh, in Auckland in New Zealand. And he says, hello, Jonathan. First, I'd like to thank you for bringing us the blind side. I think I can speak for a lot of people when I say we appreciate the time and effort you put into bringing us these informative podcasts. I listened to your podcast a couple of weeks back about guide dog discrimination, and meant to write to you last week. I had an experience many years ago, back when I got my first guide dog, Leo. In fact, it was our first trip on a bus together without our guide dog trainer slash instructor. I was catching the bus on the way home from work in the evening. Like I said, we did catch the bus before with our instructor and had no problems at all. But on this occasion, the driver refused to take me. He said that I couldn't have a dog on his bus. I was already a little nervous as it was our first trip as a working team. 
and I really didn't need that kind of bus driver. I told him that Leo was a guide dog, and would he like to see his ID card that spells out the law as far as guide dogs go? I don't want to argue about it for ages, as I didn't want to hold up the other passengers. He said he didn't need to see anything, and I had to get off his bus. At that point, I had that show of solidarity you and Bonnie had with the taxi. There was about a dozen people on the bus, and they all basically told me not to get off the bus and that they had all night to get home. So I stood my ground, and the bus driver finally said, I'll take you this once, but not again. So I called my instructor in the morning and told her what happened. The following evening, there was a different driver, and there was no problem. But she did tell me that the bus company had a meeting that afternoon about taking guide dogs on the bus. A few days later, I got the original bus driver I had the problems with, and he apologised to me. I found out later that my instructor called the bus company and had words with them, and also posted them out some documents outlining the law. I must admit, it did feel good to have all that support from the other people on the bus. Enjoy your Christmas holiday, and I look forward to the podcast in the new year. Thank you very much, Petrus, for that great message. Never a good time for those things to happen, but particularly when you're just new, that's certainly a baptism of fire, isn't it, to get on your very first bus unaccompanied, and then uh, you get hit with that. So well done for handling it the way you did, and it's good that the bus company took you seriously and got some resolution. And thanks so much for listening to the Blindside podcast and for your compliments about it. I really appreciate that. It's time to hear from this week's featured guest on The Blind Side. The Hadley Institute for the Blind and Visually Impaired, as it's now known, formerly the Hadley School for the Blind, is one of those organisations that seems like it's always been there, providing a wide variety of free quality courses to blind people from around the world. Hadley's Forsyth Centre for Employment and Entrepreneurship is once again organising a new venture competition which could help you start up or grow a business. And the director of the Forsyth Centre, Colleen Wunderlich, joins me now. Colleen, it's really great to have you on the blind side. You and I go way back, so it's great to talk to you here. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. You've been blind since birth, is that right? That's right. I was mainstreamed, so I went to Catholic school, which was really unheard of back in that time because um, blind children were either sent to schools for the blind or if they went to public school, they were primarily put in resource rooms where they spent blocks of time uh, with itinerant teachers and and did their academics there. But um, my mother wanted us to have a Catholic education. So she fought for me to go to Catholic school and um, I had a teacher's aide, um, and at the time that wasn't done either. I think a lot of the children now have aides in the public schools too. But uh, I went to Catholic school, and so I have, it's kind of fun, I have all the Catholic school experiences to talk about with people who only understand if they went to Catholic school, you know, uh, rolling up our pleated skirts and, and uh you know, scraping gum off from underneath the desk when you got a detention and all these crazy <laughs> things that they'd make us do, you know. Uh, and and then went to, went to public school um, in high school, and then I went to Purdue as an undergraduate. And my focus then was pre-med, and I was the first uh, student who went there blind as a pre-med student. And when I was there, we started a lab called the Tavis Lab, and it produced Braille books and tactual 
diagrams for any blind students who were studying science or engineering or really anything technical. And it was something that the board of trustees really wanted to do at Purdue because they had a recruitment effort to bring in people with disabilities. And so that was sort of my um, beginning exposure. And that was that was right before Windows 95 came out. And it was a really interesting time because people were migrating over to Windows. And you remember back like with Vocalize and the, and the external synthesizers and, oh, and all yes. of that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I think I've, in addition to that, I think I've owned every note taker you could possibly own on the market too. Somebody ought to have uh, start a note taker museum, I think. But anyway, um, then I um, graduated from there. Well, I started my career at Wilmer Eye Institute and I started uh, a support network for people who have Liebers. That's my condition. And uh, that got merged into the Retinal Research Foundation. So that work got picked up. And it was a support network for families who had retinal disorders in the family. Um, then I uh, worked at Chicago Lighthouse. I was in program management. I did advocacy-type work. I worked for the city of Chicago um, in grant writing and event planning. Um, I worked for Freedom Scientific, of course, where you and I met. Mm -hmm. And I was a regional sales manager for uh, eight years, and I ran about a 10-state territory. It was about $4.5 million in business that I was responsible for every year. And then I came to Hadley. This this position opened, and um, I really – I remember Tom Babinski, my predecessor. He probably listens to this podcast. Hi, Tom. Uh, <laughs> he he um, – I met him at, at a convention. I forget which one it was. They all kind of meld together after a while. Yes, they sure do. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we were we were talking, we, um, and he said he was telling me about his position and how they're starting this business program at Hadley for people who don't have business background who want to turn their product and service idea into a business, and how he was going to be sort of like the dean of the school, or the he, you know he would be the head of the school. And I thought that is so great. I said, you know, I, that that would be a great job for me. And he said. If I ever leave my job, I'll let you know. And I thought, okay, you know, people say things like that, right? They do nice niceties. And sure enough, uh, he called me a couple years later, and uh, I had been looking to come to Hadley. Hadley was a customer, and I had a good relationship with them. And he called me, and he said, "Well, I've I've held to my promise." He said, "I'm resigning from my position, and I think you would be the perfect person for my job because I really love my work, and I want to leave it in good hands. And I think you should you should come apply for my my position." And so I, I really feel grateful because um, it's something that I kind of have been watching this FCE evolved since 2011 and uh, it really is a fun creative role and I have such a passion for business I didn't tell you yes I, I uh, got my master's in business administration from University of Chicago um, at night um, I did that while I was working full-time and so that's kind of really where my passion for technology developed because if I wasn't if I didn't have all the technology you know the open book and the jaws and the braille displays i could i don't know that i could have worked full time if i had to rely exclusively on live readers like i had to do when i was an undergrad and uh that was a trying time because they never had a, a blind student in the business school they've had several since my time but it was it was really interesting because uh i had to advocate for my own services and 
sometimes when you really have to be the one to advocate for yourself, you, you, you ask for exactly what you need and not much more. You don't have time to fight battles and, you know, getting all these things transcribed. And so it was, it was a very unique experience. Uh, it was a great school, great education. I focused in economics and entrepreneurship. So I've always been passionate about business because I grew up in small business. And then I come from a family of small business owners. And um, anyway, I like being here. I love business. I like helping blind people get into business for themselves and helping them be creative and turning, like I said earlier, turning their product or their service idea into a real business. And it's been interesting to observe the people who are successful in, in doing this and people who have a hard time with that. And I'm going to be speaking about that at the AFB Leadership Conference, speaking to what I've seen in my students, because I've also taught many of the courses here, um, and, and who seems to make it as a person who's self-employed and what does it take? And you could probably say a lot about that, Jonathan, because you are a master at reinventing yourself. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you know that cause you and I have had, we have had conversations about that over dinner on the road about how you continuously figure out how to reinvent yourself, which I think is, is amazing. You, 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 uh, that's a gift. Not everyone has. So, um, it's fun. I'm having a great time with it. And I really love seeing all the creative ideas that our students come up with. We've had a number of students who have lost their sight later in life who have had long professional careers. And maybe they couldn't efficiently work at their job, you know, if they were doing something in the financial industry or something that required a lot of technology, you know, it's, it's difficult to learn these things later in life and keep up with one's job. And so the, uh, some of these people have started their own businesses with their contacts and their professional experience, and they've turned it into a business idea. And, and those are people that I'm seeing be very successful uh, because they know what it takes. They have industry experience. They have contacts. They know how to work hard. And then maybe they've had this idea for a long time, and now they have a reason to actually turn it into a business because they need to make a livelihood. It's pretty inspiring. A lot of the work that you've done has been relating to, in some way, making a difference to blind people, whether it's been your work with technology or research or, or whatever it might be. Did you have much contact with blind kids when you were mainstreamed or, or blind adults, or has your contact with other blind people mainly been as an adult? Mostly, thank you for asking that. Mostly it's been as an adult. Um, I did know other blind um, kids uh, that I would meet through my itinerant teachers because uh, I did have itinerant services and I did have a blind mentor who was a, a lawyer and he had a dog from the seeing eye and, and I always admired you know, how he worked with his dog and how he traveled independently And but I didn't start to have blind friends uh, until my first dear friend of mine I met when I was working at, at Chicago Lighthouse but Really, uh, when I started working for Freedom Scientific, um, it just opened up a whole world of blind friends to me. And I, I have had so much fun with my blind friends, you know, learning from them. I, I learned so much from them. And just having other people to talk to about some of the things that we struggle with that I think the sighted world doesn't quite understand in the way that we do. And uh, I like having 
a mix. You know, I like having all my sighted friends. I like having my blind friends and colleagues. Um, I think it's a great mix of experiences. And I love blind people. I love our population. We have a lot of challenges that we have to overcome on a daily basis. And we don't necessarily talk about those challenges, but I think we share those in common. And uh, I think I understand a lot of the struggles that my fellow blind men struggle with. I really like our work. And I think you really have to care about blind people to be in this field and be effective. Um, Because I think our people know, because I know I do, I think our people know when someone works in this field and is insincere about their work or doesn't want to be in this field or doesn't believe in our people. You know, I think I think we know that deep down about them. Um, and uh, I I don't you I mean, I maybe you don't want to give your opinion about it, but oh, I'm, happy, what... I'm always happy to give my opinion. No, I, I understand what <laughs> you're saying, but I'm intrigued that you feel that way, because at the risk of stereotyping, which is always a dangerous thing, but I have found that a lot of blind people who did not grow up in the blind crowd, if I can use that expression, view themselves often as superior to other blind people. Have you seen that? I have seen that, and I think some people might be embarrassed by blindness or by some of the quirks, you know, that that come with it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, you know, and and so they don't want to be associated or whatever. But I give a lot of people credit, you know, for for just embracing who they are and what they're about. And and one of the things that I really miss uh, about working at Freedom. And, and I love it here. You know, I'm happy I moved on. But one of the things I miss about it is going out and visiting all my customers, you know, at the various agencies and seeing all the stuff that people were into. You know, some of the guys that are really into radio, you know, when they get into something, they really get into it, whether it's music, whether it's radio, whether it's sports and with, with such an undying passion, you know, and um I miss that because I, I find that I, I don't want to say that we don't that the sighted world doesn't have that. That's not fair, but I just find such a people have such a passion for what they're into in our field and in, in our population. Why do you think that is? <sighs> I don't know. Uh, I think uh, maybe we don't have the distractions that the that the sighted world has. They have a lot of distractions, don't you think? <laughs> I suppose. Yes. <laughs> TV and and every, you know, every everybody that that walks by that they can watch and see. I've never really given it much thought, but maybe um maybe that's the reason. Now, if I remember correctly, you did have some contact with the uh, NFB at least at at college time because you were a scholarship winner, I think, with NFB. I was. Mm-hmm. And we now work with the NFB at Hadley. Um they, we have a business partnership with the National Association of Blind Merchants, which is a division of the NFB, and that's um, the division that represents blind vendors in the Randolph Shepherd program. And we have a, a partnership where they can earn a certificate of excellence, Entrepreneur of Excellence certificate, if they take Hadley courses. And we also have a curriculum, an online curriculum package for people who want to become Randolph Shepherd vendors. So it minimizes their time that they spend in a training center or away from home. So um, we have a nice uh, business relationship with with that organization, and they're doing a lot of innovative things. 
You've got your iPhone now, right? I remember when you and I would spend time on the road together and we had this running kind of gag going that, um, you know, whenever you got a an iPhone, I can't remember who was supposed to buy who a bottle of wine when that happened, but um, you, 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 you seem to be taking a while to adopt the iPhone. How are you enjoying it now that you have one? Well, you know, I, I did. I did manage to get one before I left Freedom. Um, you guys, but you guys put enough pressure on me. No, I really liked. I really liked the iPhone. But I think I thank you for uh, for showing me how to use it, Jonathan. And um, I really like it. I mean, it, it it is amazing, just what what it's opened up for us and the, all the applications that make things so much more accessible um, and at our fingertips. You know, it everything from. The, the readers and the the GPS and and just everything. Um, it's a it's a great iPhone. I love it. And uh, you know we have our. Do you know about our iFocus series at, at Hadley? Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we have a great series that's done by a gentleman named Douglas Walker. Um, he takes videos of himself working on the iPhone and shows different features of the iPhone and broken down into three four minute videos. And Doug is really amazing. He lives in two worlds. You know, he can read Braille. He can read large print. In you know, he has enough vision to see what's going on, but not enough vision to to understand how blind people function and people with low vision function. And um, he really brings a unique perspective to doing the iFocus videos. And they're very popular. And now there is a link to them on the Apple accessibility webpage. So we're very proud of that. Um, and they're free to anyone um, anyone can can go up there and listen to them. There's a link to them from our homepage because some people were having difficulty navigating the YouTube page. So uh, we're very proud of that series. And I think it's, I go up there every now and again if I want to learn something or forget how to do something. It's so useful and it's free. So tell me about Hadley because it's one of those, as I said in the introduction, it's one of those institutions that just seems to have always been there. It's it's a place you can rely on providing a, a wide range of information that's free. Uh, give us a bit of the history of the organization. Well, it was founded in 1920 by William Hadley. Um, he wanted to find a way to teach adults Braille who were losing their sight. Because uh, at that time, the only place to learn Braille was at schools for the blind. So he and uh, Dr. Evelyn Brown, who was an ophthalmologist, started Hadley as a correspondence school for teaching Braille. And of course, since then, we've expanded quite a bit. Uh, we have all series of online courses. The Foresight Center, which is the business program that I run, Foresight Center for Employment and Entrepreneurship, is all online. Um, but we have uh, Hadley Institute for Professional Studies, who that, that's our division for professionals in our field um, who need to earn continuing education credits. And we have a high school program. It's primarily for non-traditional age students uh, who never did get their high school diploma. And uh, we do accept high school credits too for high school students who might want to take some classes from Hadley, math in particular. And we've expanded. We have a low vision focus program. It's for people who are losing their vision, and it shows um, things like dining out with low vision, managing your prescriptions, um, organizing your money, and it's a free video series that's available through Hadley. Uh, it's low vision focus at hadley.edu. Oh, we have all our adult continuing education courses that are free to people who are blind, and um, we have many 
lifelong learners here at Hadley, people who have taken many, many courses, um, everything from daily living to recreational to Braille. We have so many courses and, and we have some very loyal students out there. I have yet to take a Hadley course, but I am pleased to say, I'm very proud to say that two of my children have actually learned Braille through Hadley and the, the courses that Hadley offers. Oh, so they took it upon themselves to learn Braille. Yes, they did. They did. They they wanted to know how Braille worked and they, they learned it themselves. And th- there was no pressure on my part about that, but I was very, very proud of them. My oldest daughter did it first and then one of my sons decided he'd like to take it up as well. So it's a wonderful thing that they did. And it's a wonderful thing that they could do that through Hadley and they would send their assignments off and they would get graded. And uh, it's it's just a brilliant thing. How did the Forsyth Centre get its name? Well, it was started by a gentleman named Rick Forsyth. His wife, Sandy Forsyth, is one of our trustees. And Rick is low vision. Uh, he was an entrepreneur and uh, wanted to make a difference in the lives of people who are blind and had a passion for business. And so he provided the seed funding for the, the Forsyth Center. And it was started by, uh, there was another gentleman, Urban Mayeris, who was a blind entrepreneur, uh, lives out in San Diego, has been in many different industries as a business owner. And the, the concept was started by our former president, Chuck Young, who really wanted a way for blind people to become self-employed and have have the resources to be able to do it. And so really, it's, it's a non-degree program. It's a, it's a program that teaches a practical approach to business. So if you don't grow up in small business or you don't have a business degree, you don't know how to think like a business person. It's a, it's a, it's a mindset or a framework that you use to solve problems and to think about business. And it's not something that's intuitive. It's something that has to be learned. And so you have a product idea that you think is a nifty idea, but you have to sort it out for yourself. Is this something that people care about? Does this fill a need? Is this something that I can actually make money by the time I make this product? Can I make a profit? Are people willing to pay for it and pay the price that I need to charge to make a profit? I mean, these are basic business principles, but if you don't have a way of acquiring that, then you might have a great idea, but it never gets off the ground. So we have provided a way for people to acquire business knowledge by taking these free online Hadley courses. And they're one lesson modules, most of them, one lesson courses, everything from market research, marketing plan, financial plan, business plan, accounting. We have a whole marketing series and uh, you can take the classes. We have a recommended order for the first few, but you can take the the classes you need really when you need them. And as one of the, the things that I do here is help students figure out what classes they need to meet their business goals. And part of the way we function is that some students figure out And it's a risk-free way of figuring out that they're not meant to be in business, or I like to say they have no business being in business because um, maybe they don't have the resources to be self-employed, not just financial resources, but support. 
uh, from peers or family to help get their idea off the ground and help them with the aspects of business that they might struggle with not being able to see, like transportation or um, anything visual that comes with their product idea. Or maybe the person figures out that they need to get industry experience before they go into this particular line of business. And so we have other courses that can help them in finding a job. And we have a very popular course called Finding Employment, uh, which teaches a person how to find a job and what they need to consider and finding their strengths and um, picking a career and all about the ADA. It's a great course. We have classes in networking and customer service. And we have a class in Excel that's very popular. So we have classes that can support someone in an employment environment as well. And that's okay. That's okay that people figure out that, you know, maybe this isn't, maybe being a business owner isn't for me or being self-employed isn't for me. Uh, And I think that's a very important function that we perform here because as I said, it's risk-free and you don't have to um, take out a whole bunch of money and and have a big loan and go into business and figure out it's not for you. You can kind of do the legwork in advance and figure that out. And you figure that out yourself. We don't tell people whether or not they have good ideas, whether or not they should be self-employed. It's a self-discovery process through these classes that people often come to on their own. And I really like that about our program because you know so many of us have been told that we can't do things you spoke about that in your address to the New Jersey Commission mm. uh, for the blind that so many of us are told what we what people think we can and can't do and what our limitations are and I like that this program gives people the opportunity to figure that out introspectively for themselves yeah. and nobody has to know it, it sounds like there might be two potentially contradictory messages there, though. I wonder the extent to which entrepreneurship can actually be taught. I think maybe entrepreneurship can be brought out in somebody if it's in their DNA. Do you know what I'm saying? If, if you have a natural yes. flair for entrepreneurship, if you've just got that that gift to see an opportunity and to capitalize on that opportunity, then formal training will accentuate that gift. But I do wonder the extent to which entrepreneurship can be taught. Mm, Interesting. I, I like your spin on it. I think that you have an idea that is great or you don't, um, you see an opportunity or you don't. Um, and I think that, you know, we have a class here called self-employment with a minimal investment. And part of that, a big part of that class is helping a person figure out, do they have what it takes to be an entrepreneur? You know, whether it's, do they have it in them, um, the self-discipline and the drive and the ability to deal with ambiguity and irregular income and and saying, well, what do I have to lose? And if I fail, I learn something. Do they have that in them or do they not? And do they need to be part of a team and work for someone? So it is a bit contradictory because um, I think you're right. I think I think there's something that entrepreneurs have that drive or that ability to reinvent oneself and ability to take risks. Because uh, some people are just, they don't take risks. They don't like risks. And uh, if they don't like risks, then entrepreneurship. You can learn the principles of it, but it's not for you. No, and and there's a lot of irregularity, isn't there, especially in the beginning if you're a one or two person business. Uh, I know I've had a situation in the last couple of weeks where I've just, it just so happens that I've had a whole bunch of deadlines 
coinciding. And so literally the hours for the last two or three weeks for me have been sort of 14, 15 hour days. And it feels really great to generate the invoices at the end of the process. But if you're the kind of person that wants to leave home and, and get into work at nine and leave at five, then, you know, and you like that kind of a routine and you like the stability of knowing how much money you'll have to play with every week. Again, it's probably not your thing, right? No, it's not your thing. And if, if that's the way you are, and there's nothing wrong with that, and that's one of the things that this program can help a person figure out. One of the things I see is some people think that this that if they become self-employed, they, they don't have to work as hard. You know, they say, well, <laughs> I don't have a boss. I can stay at home and work on my computer. I can just be at home and work when I want to. And I think that that speaking of what can be taught and not, I think that is a concept that people really need to get their head around is that if you work for yourself, you work harder probably than, than you would if you work for someone else. Uh, because it really comes down to, like you said, you being able to meet deadlines. That's is a barrier that I see in our students is some people want to just be at home and work for themselves and not get out there. And I think you still have to get out there and, and meet people and network and even online networking, any of that. It's not for the person that just wants to be home and work when they want to. That's just such a big misconception. Mm. And that's something that we really try to clear up here for people. Although one positive thing about it from a blindness perspective is that if you are in work where you can deliver your deliverables whenever it suits you, it does suit blind people who have tremendous difficulty keeping a regular sleep schedule. And there yes. are a lot of blind people like this, you know, who just can't keep a regular circadian rhythm and they're wide awake at two in the morning and they may get their best work done. And one of the nice things about working for oneself, if you're in the kind of business where the time of your deliverable doesn't matter, is that you can go ahead and, and work really hard in the middle of the night and crash in the middle of the day. <laughs> Yes, no, it's it, it is a it is a phenomenon in our population and also another one that this helps people is is if they're living in rural areas where they want to stay in their rural uh, community because they're they were raised there or they want to raise their family there and we know the barriers that that presents for us, right? There's no transportation, mm -hmm. there may not be a lot of industry or jobs that, you know, that we can easily do. I mean, there just might be very limited in the work that's there. A transportation remains a huge barrier, I think, to people in finding work. And that's another situation where self-employment, if someone can make that work for them, is really an answer to making an income. And with the internet, I mean, that has just opened up so many opportunities that people I speak to, they say, you know, I never mentioned that I'm blind. Um, one of the owners, or I'm sorry, one of the winners of our competition, Satana of Satana voiceovers, she's pretty active um, in our community and, and on online and, and with her tutorials and things. She has a voiceover business and she says, I, I hardly ever mention to my clients that I'm blind. Yeah. They don't need to know. It's not that I'm embarrassed to mention it. There's just, it's not, it's just not relevant. Irrelevant. Yeah. 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 And, and so that's great too, because often we don't have to deal with, um, the, you know, the limitations that people might otherwise put on us in the workplace in some instances. 
Yes. When I worked in commercial radio, I seldom mentioned that I was a blind person, but there was one particular occasion on where for some reason or other it was relevant and I mentioned it. And then I got this call from this woman who was listening and said, oh my goodness, you don't sound blind. I'm thinking, well, you know, <laughs> how, how, how precisely do you sound blind? Um, but that's what I really like about the work that you're doing at Hadley is that so often, and it applies to everybody, whether you're blind or sighted, but I think it really applies at least doubly so when you're a blind person. You rely on somebody to give you a lucky break. You rely on somebody to go beyond common stereotypes about blindness and give you a chance. And if you've got the skills and the drive and the determination to bypass that process and set up your own business, then it can be very, very rewarding and, and you're facilitating that. Yes, I think so. And and I think it's if people can make it work for them, I think it's a wonderful option. And I and I like the point about that you make about people relying relying on someone to give you a break because so many people I've talked to and even in my own instance, it was somebody who took a chance on me mm. or someone who believed in me and wanted to give me an opportunity. And sometimes all you need is one really good opportunity and it's what you make of that opportunity. You know, it's your it's your decision to make it work. People ask me, how come we have such a high unemployment rate in our population? Well, that we could talk all day about. There's so many reasons. But I think that... Um, for many of us, we have a we have a will to be employed. Uh, it's it's we we have challenges in our work that our sighted coworkers don't have. Everything from accessibility challenges to transportation challenges to you know maybe some tasks that we do might take a little bit longer than our coworkers, whatever. And we have the will to make the opportunity work. But you're right, you have to have an opportunity. You have to have someone. Um, in many instances, who will see past the blindness, if you will, and give you that chance and believe in you. Um, and I really like that we that it's emerging more and more that we have a way around that now, that we can create our own opportunities for ourselves. And that's what I love about the work that I do here, is just seeing all the things that people come up with to do, all the different types of businesses. It's just fascinating. What would you personally advise in terms of dealing with the setbacks? Because one of the saddest things that I see is very capable people who've just been knocked back once too often and they're down for the count and they just don't want to apply for any more jobs. They don't want to try one more thing because they just feel like no matter what they try, they're not going to be able to succeed, not because of any inability on their part, but because of a whole bunch of myths that are out there. And that is extremely demoralizing to deal with. It is. And, and I understand, you know, I, when I came out of business school, it was the worst time you could come out of school. It was in 2003 and a third of my class was unemployed. And this was coming out of the University of Chicago. And these were people who many of whom were employed when they started the program. And so it was a terrible time to be looking for a work. And I was lucky to find something, you know, I with the city of Chicago, find a great opportunity after a year. But I remember what that was like. And I think there was a reason for me to go through that, to understand um, how demoralizing it can be when people just can't look past our blindness or you just can't get a foot in the door anywhere. 
And what I would advise is try everything and keep going and keep out there because you need one person to give you a chance and you have to make the most of that opportunity. As I've said, we talked about earlier, but it doesn't come to you. Nothing happens if you don't keep trying and you don't keep out there. And I tell many of my students, you know, go to networking events, get involved if you're in a church or anything, get involved and get out in front of people because when you start doing things and moving about the world, things happen. They may not happen in the time that we would like them to happen, but they do. And I I think the worst thing that person can do is sit at home and just not go out because people see us and that's when they have an opportunity to believe in us. And I also think it's important to stay involved in our communities. Um, I've taken board assignments. I just came off of a five-year term on my condo board. I was treasurer and I was vice president of the condo association board. And uh, it was very time-consuming. But, you know, through that, I met so many people. I've got learned from some great mentors on the board. And people uh, were able to see me and see what I could do. And I don't care if someone's blind or sighted or what. People tend to hire people they know, people they like, and people whose abilities that they've seen demonstrated. And I think it's so important for us more than anything, to stay engaged in our community and stay in front of people because that's where, to me, that's where all of my opportunities have come. They've come from people that knew me and saw what I could do. And uh, I didn't get that by staying home. And the condo board would have been purely voluntary, right? Yes. Yeah. So sometimes just putting yourself out there as a volunteer can be useful it gives you skills it keeps you in the in, in the loop and um it just just get yourself out there yeah volunteering opportunities have turned into jobs for a number of our students just people seeing them and getting to know them and seeing what a what a value add they can be to the workplace and seeing what they can what they can do and nobody wants to think about volunteering when they're trying to find work you say, well, I'm trying to find work. I need a paycheck. I completely understand that. But I have had students of mine who have been able to secure positions that way. Now, I think you have to sort of put a time limit on it. I mean, it, after a while, if they're not going to hire you, then that's another conversation. But at least it gets you out of the house and gets you in front of people and puts a routine into your day. Because um, I think sometimes when there's not a routine or when there's not somewhere to go, the days just kind of all meld together and you forget what day it is and what time it is, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it all gets to be a, a blur. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We, we would have talked to you at some point on this podcast, but the reason why we're talking to you now specifically is because there is this new venture initiative. And I think this is the second consecutive year that you've done this. And yes. I, I think this is a brilliant idea. We're going to play the YouTube clip um, after we talk that summarizes uh, what happened in the in the first um, initiative. But tell us about this. What are the goals and how people can become involved and, and apply? Okay, so um, the new venture competition, this is our second year doing this, and um, we are awarding up to $30,000 in cash to a person who is blind, who is a primary owner or, or plays a significant operational role in a startup venture. 
The the website for it is hadley.edu slash NVC for New Venture Challenge, and all of the rules are there on the website. Um, you do have to be a Hadley student. So uh, if you're not a Hadley student, no big deal. You have to take one of the Forsyth Center business modules to qualify for the competition, but it is on our website there. And the idea is that you submit a 10-page business plan with all of the components of a business plan, financials, everything of your idea and how you would use the money if you receive the money and why you need the money, what capital you've raised, what capital you have yet to raise. We provide a breakdown on the website of all of the components in the business plan and the rubric. And we even tell you in each section what we want to see in the plan. Um, If you don't know how to write a business plan, We have a series of courses here, one lesson modules that can teach you how to write a business plan. Um, And I mentioned them earlier, but um, they're market research and marketing plan, financial plan and business plan. And we don't require you to write a formal business plan for the course, but it shows you what is a business plan, what needs to be in it, uh, how does it need to be formulated. And so uh, you can certainly call Hadley Student Services uh, 800-526-9909, or you can visit hadley.edu slash business to sign up for Hadley courses and become a Hadley student if you're not one. Um, you will have to provide proof of legal blindness. If you already are a Hadley student, then you have to have taken an FCE course uh, since at some point since 2011. So, um, you know, we want you to be a student of ours, obviously, to be in this competition, but you turn the business plan in. You have until March 15th to do that, and we have a panel of judges who are entrepreneurs, and they will uh, pick the winner. So I don't get to be a judge. I don't get to pick the winner. That's okay, though. I get to encourage people to apply and, and help them understand the application process. So uh, the concept is something I got from when I was in business school. We had we had these types of competitions all the time. And I always thought to be a real business program, we really need a practical way for people to apply what they learn here at Hadley. And I like this because it's only for blind people. So this is a real opportunity for you if you have a, an idea or if you have a business plan you're trying to get funding, um, go ahead and, and submit it. Um, try. It's been a great opportunity, and you'll learn when you hear the video about our winners from last year and, and the uh, the concepts that they've come up with. They're all in their businesses now, and their businesses are growing. So it's really been rewarding to see this whole thing come about and, and see our students succeed. Are there any geographical restrictions? There are. Um, unfortunately, this year, um, it is limited to businesses residing in the United States or um, people who are um, U.S. residents. Those are restrictions that I can't. I mean, I, that I can't do anything about for this year. But yes, um, it is limited to students within the United States that have businesses here. How do you get funding for the program? Are you, are you getting donors, businesses to support this? Yes, thank you for asking. Uh, the Bernard A. Newcomb Foundation is a major supporter. Bernie Newcomb founded E-Trade, and he's he has low vision. Um, so he he is the one funder of mine who believed in this concept, who said, 
I love the idea of helping other people who are blind get into business and I'm willing to take the risk. He said, because anytime people go into business, it's risky. He said, but I think this is a, a risk worth taking. So he's funded the competition last year and is funding it this year. And also um, Alliant Credit Union. Uh, we, we have several funders, um, but Bernie Newcomb is the one, I think, who, who really believed in this idea and wanted to make it happen. And when the funders and the judges see what's coming in, you know, because this is now the second time you've done this, so they will have been through one competition. Were they genuinely surprised by the breadth of the applications and the sorts of things that blind people were trying to do in business? Oh, yes. They were really surprised and, and they had so much fun going over the applications. It was really tough for them to pick a winner. They wanted to pick the venture that's most likely to succeed. I mean, that's really the the criteria, but it was really fun to watch them uh, go because I had to facilitate the meetings to watch them go through the plans. And, you know, somebody, one person had said, oh, I don't, you know, I don't want to take any risks. And they said, well, (laughs) that's not going to work. You know, you you typically double the amount of debt that you think you're going to go into and, and cut, cut in half the, the revenue that you think you're going to get the first year. So it, it was really interesting to see them as entrepreneurs looking at the business plans and just seeing how excited they get over the concepts. And, and um, it, it was it was really just rewarding for them, I think. And I send them anecdotes and, and stories from our winners last year, and it just makes their day, you know, that they that they were able to help make this happen too for someone. Do you make the decision, or do the judges make the decision purely based on the business plans, or is there a, a, an interview shortlist process that goes on before that? Okay, so they make the decision based on the business plans. Um, And then we have the final round of interviews right before the awards ceremony. So um, this year we're awarding at our semi-annual meeting of the board of trustees at Hadley on June 8th. So we will have a final round of interviews. So where we'll pick, actually they pick the judges, I mean the the judges pick the um, people that they, they think are going to win and what they want to give them. But whenever you do something remotely, you want a chance to meet people. You want a chance to meet the business owner and see them in person and really talk to them about their plan. And what struck me from the final interviews is just the passion, how much they believed in their business and their strategy. That's what came across in the interviews that I think um, doesn't always come across on paper. It's just the energy that they have about their idea and how they absolutely think it's going to work and and they've tested it and, and it's it is just something I can't describe um, to be in the room with. So uh, it's a it's a very powerful part of the competition, the the final rounds um, that we do before we we award the money. I hear the passion for this work that you do coming through so clearly, and it seems to me that making a difference in some way, changing lives for the better, is really important to you. It is. It is, because um, I think it's empowering, the the, the work that, that we do. I like that we... Um, we want people to believe in their in their capabilities and believe in themselves and their and their business and their strategies and it's just fun to be a part be a part of all of that and I can't really take credit you know I put the opportunity out there but 
I give the credit to our students um, who take risks and take chances and and really put everything they have on the line to start a business. Our students is what made this competition a success and what's made the FCE a success. So give us that URL again as we wrap up if people would like to know more information about how to take advantage of this competition. Hadley.edu slash NVC for new venture competition. Very good. Look, it's been an absolute pleasure catching up with you and uh, and having a chat. And I wish you all the very best for the initiative uh, in the coming year. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to interview. And um, it's great to catch up with you as well. And to all of you listening, uh, we look forward to seeing what you come up with for business plans. I'm very excited for this next round of, of competition. As part of the research for that interview, Colleen sent me a link to a YouTube video, a very professionally produced YouTube video that Hadley has put together that showcases the winners of the first new venture competition. And when I heard the soundtrack of this, I thought this is brilliant. And I said to Colleen, can we play it for you on the podcast? And she said we could. So let's take a listen to this video. It might give you some inspiration for some of the things that you can apply for with this Hadley new venture competition for 2017. Hadley Institute for the Blind and Visually Impaired's Foresight Center for Employment and Entrepreneurship 2016 New Venture Business Competition. So I was in the United States Navy for six and a half years as a nuclear mechanic. I worked on board an aircraft carrier um, that had eight nuclear reactors. And uh, after I got out for my visual impairment, it was a very hard transition for me being legally blind, not being able to drive, and feeling living at home with my parents at you know an early age. It was uh, humbling. And then I was encouraged to take a Hadley course in container gardening, and I realized I still like to do things. I still have a love of gardening and fresh food, and I still could accomplish that. I'm going to start out with our Hadley New Venture Competition. This year, as director of the Foresight Center, I I wanted to have a program that was more than people just taking classes and getting smarter. I wanted our students to have a way to apply practically what they learned in our classes. Our first award recipient is Satana Howery of Clifton Park, New York. Satana owns Satana's voiceovers. I'm a voice actor, so they say a picture, um, picture is worth a thousand words, my voice is worth a thousand pictures. I get the privilege of creating a story using my voice and then letting uh, the person's imagination fill in the visual stuff. If you're on hold for 15 minutes, maybe you've heard me laughing at you in the background. <laughs> I do voicemail. I want to thank Hadley for this opportunity. This is fantastic to put a spotlight on uh, entrepreneurship for blind folks. I think it's fantastic. So I intend to use the money to uh, bring on additional staff. Right now, it's just me, myself, and I doing everything from administration to the actual voice work. Uh, to marketing and so forth. And there's so much more I could do if I could bring more people into it. Our second award is at the level of $10,000. The winner, Karen Richardson Moore of Buffalo, New York. The name of my business is Innovative Back Office Solutions. 
And this business, actually, we market business to business. We offer all of those back office services that are fundamental and critical to new businesses, new startups, entrepreneurs, and even seasoned businesses. Second persons that I would like to uh, thank is the Hadley Institute. This competition has been awesome. These um, people, Colleen and Chuck, have been awesome in being supportive. So I really do appreciate this award. I'm going to go home and get it rolling now that I've won $10,000. <laughs> but I thank you very much. As soon as I get back. I will be ordering all of my promotional items, all of my direct mail pieces. I will be doing my um, uh, cable television ads and also print ads. Okay, our final cash award prize, $12,500, goes to Eileen Vasquez of St. Paul, Minnesota. Eileen owns Locavore Time. So my business venture is called Locavore Time. It's a aquaponics business where I would grow fish and plants and the fish waste fertilizes the plants. So all you're adding to the system is food for the fish. And, uh, and then that would be sold to local restaurants uh, who would then serve it on their tables. Um, I'd like to thank Hadley for the original container gardening class I took 10 years ago. It helped me to realize I still can do things after the loss of my sight um, in the military. So I really appreciate that step forward. It allowed me to know that I could move on, go to college, and now here I am starting a business. And in five years, I want to see, I want to be in a separate building other than my two-stall garage, uh, growing prawns, um, more vegetables, Still the same herbs that I've started with and salad greens, which a lot of other people are doing, but I'd like to have a little variety so I can supply a standard meal um, with prawns, fish, you know, potatoes, tomatoes, salad, and herbs. And I just want to extend a thank you to everyone for playing a part in the success of our partnership. As an entrepreneur, um, Winning this uh, award is really going to give my business that boost I needed to really get out into the marketplace. It's going to assist me in being able to put my strategic marketing plan in place. I will now have the capital to do commercials and to do print ads and to do promotional items. So this is so awesome. I'm so blessed and so excited. I think if you're looking to take a Hadley course, if you're interested in taking Hadley courses, the great thing about them is they're free. I mean, they're free, they're easy, they're right there. There's so many ways to take them online. They will send you the materials through the mail. It's all a learning curve. And you know, one of the things we talk about in my house is fail equals first attempt in learning. And so failure is just an opportunity to, to retry it and, and regroup and figure out what you can do better. I'd say to anybody who's looking to start a business, ever thought, dreamed of turning a hobby into a business, look at Hadley, develop the plan through their business courses. They're great. The professors give you good feedback. They help you make a defined goal. And then, you know, keep at it and continue and make it, make it a reality because your life is only what you make of it. And to do something that you love it makes your life so much more worthwhile. 
and makes you want to push forward and expand your business and include others into it and make them feel how you feel. For more information on Hadley's Forsyth Center for Employment and Entrepreneurship, visit hadley.edu backslash FCE. As Teddy Roosevelt so famously said, it's not the critic who counts. And I just love it when I hear about blind people stepping out and trying something. Sometimes you fail, but sometimes failure is a good teacher as well. And that's what entrepreneurship is all about. So congratulations to Hadley and to Colleen for that really terrific initiative. We're glad to give it a bit of airtime here on the Blind Side podcast. Maybe it's given you a bit of inspiration for what you might do at the beginning of 2017. Yeah, I guess it's almost New Year's resolution time, isn't it? And it's time for us to say goodbye for 2016. Bonnie and I want to wish you the very happiest of Christmases and other holidays that you might be celebrating. We look forward to seeing you back in 2017. It's my intention to do the first episode of the Blindside podcast for 2017 in the week beginning the 23rd of January towards the end of that week. Once we've got past the big pile and we're back uh, churning things out again and we look forward to it because we already have some really interesting guests lined up and issues to cover for 2017. So do check back with us then. Thanks for listening to The Blind Side, a production of Mosin Consulting on the web at mosin.org.